Welcome to the Wagner Ministries International Podcast. As you listen to this message, our prayer is that you would be motivated and empowered to follow Christ and lead others to Him. Enjoy. God bless you, my friends. This is Evangelist Kevin Wagner, founder of Wagner Ministries International, welcoming you to our podcast today. Today's podcast focuses on the story of Peter and John being released from custody in Acts chapter 4 and the events that take place in the aftermath of this. You know, the Bible teaches us that we are to move on for God and at the same time expect opposition. Upon Peter and John being released from custody, they were so excited that they wanted to tell their friends the good news right away. I remember doing the same thing when I got married. I also did the same thing when our children were born. I told all of my friends and family so much that they started to get tired of it. When something great happens to you, you want to tell the whole world, don't you? Well, it was like that with Peter and John too. When they came back home from custody, they got together with all their friends and they all prayed together, asking the Lord for boldness and telling others about Jesus and doing miracles in his name. And the Lord honored their prayers by sending his Holy Spirit on them powerfully. Let me encourage you today to pray those same types of prayers and watch God move. Verses 32 to 37 of Acts chapter 4 paint a vivid and beautiful picture of what it was like to live in the early church. The Bible says in verses 32 and following, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, who the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field and he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. It is important to note here that the generosity of the early believers was purely voluntary and motivated purely and simply out of the love of Jesus that was in their hearts, issuing forth in practical acts of kindness to their neighbors. Now, you may or may not realize this, but the early proponents of communism over 100 years ago, Karl Marx, Vladimir Lenin, Friedrich Engels, when they were developing their utopian vision for civilized life, they saw in texts like these and Acts chapter 2, biblical support for a type of communal life that would eliminate poverty, unemployment, exploitation, and other social ills. However, they chose in developing their philosophies of communism in theory to ignore the only force on earth and under heaven that has the power to bring about genuine, lasting change in the hearts of men and women, the power of the Holy Spirit of God. In severing the Holy Spirit's regenerative power from their philosophical communism, and substituting in his place the vain hope of the inherent goodness in men's hearts, something which biblical Christians know doesn't even exist. The early communists paved the way in theory 
for what would actually occur in practice, a godless socio-economic system with good intentions and tremendous potential, but which, when cut adrift from its holy moorings, when unplugged from its spiritual power source, would only serve to enslave people to a far more oppressive master than bourgeois corruption, namely, a totalitarian oligarchy bound by the false hope of secular humanism. And yet, the utopian ideal remains. Before us today lays a high ideal, a worthy dream, a sanctified goal, nestled like a jewel in a treasure chest full of high ideals, worthy dreams, and sanctified goals, which we call the Bible. The Bible is the one book that has anchored Western society to the reality of Earth, while at the same time thrilled generation after generation with the ideals of heaven for centuries. Practically up to until this generation, our nation has had basic, general, social, and cultural consensus on what the ideals, goals, and dreams both individuals and communities ought to strive and attain to. The Bible and its lofty ideals and vision, showing us what we can be, what God intended us to be with His help, this Word of God was to our collective culture much like what the proverbial carrot on the stick is to the animal trainer, an incentive, an elusive dream, the tantalizing pearl of great price, always a step ahead, but too appealing in its substance to ever stop pursuing. And yet, friends, this is no more in public North American life today. In our reckless abandon to attain a so-called freedom, the radical end of the emancipation movements of the 60s giving way to the more civilized, legislative freedoms of today, has quite successfully given our general culture and public life its freedom from God, but also its freedom from high ideals and goals to attain to as a society and as individuals in it. However, our society and many of us in it are more like the team content to settle for mediocrity. For example, we have replaced the high and virtuous biblical ideal of chastity before marriage with the lower and selfishly utilitarian goal of simply play safe. And so a thin sheath of latex has replaced this generation's desire to maintain purity. Or consider another contemporary example, how we have replaced the biblical goals and ideals of self-control and moderation with the horribly pessimistic goals of simply don't get hurt or don't hurt others. And so the designated driver has replaced the striving against drunkenness, debauchery, and overdone revelry. You know, at the risk of being called a prude, I submit to you today that it is the lofty goals of the Bible and the practical implications of attaining the, to these goals that have helped make our nation what it has been. Yet at some point, we have begun to spend more than we take in and forgotten the biblical virtue of frugality. We have begun to help strangers only insofar as they contribute to our economic well-being and have forgotten the message of the Good Samaritan. We have consented to verbal and visual pornography in mainstream society and have forgotten the dignity of men and women created in the image of God. Oh, people, how is it that we have fallen so far? 
How is it that we have been so eager like Esau to trade our birthright for a mess of pottage? How is it that we have become content knowing the best, but settling for so far less with nary a whisper spoken? Peter says that it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And let it be so, Lord, if that is what it takes to wake up the people of God from our slumber and complacency and mobilize us to become like Jesus, in whose footsteps we follow. On a cool autumn afternoon some 50 years ago in a suburb of Dallas, a young black preacher began a speech that would change America with these words, I have a dream. And so Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream, based on the biblical vision of racial equality and freedom, became the rallying cry of a generation who were not content with something less than God's best. I ask you today, what is this generation's rally cry? I believe that we can do better than simply reduce the deficit, play safe and reduce, reuse, recycle. To a generation who just shrugs their shoulders and says, who cares, so what? And turns on MTV again. I say, it's time to care. Because there's a world that God made that's dying out there, and if you're not part of the solution, you are part of the problem. To a generation that says, leave me alone with my mortgage payment and expensive toys for big boys, I say, I can't leave you alone. We need you because there are people out there who the Lord loves who are dying and who need you to be part of the solution. And to a generation that says, I've paid my dues, I've done my part, can't you let me rest in peace? I say, I can't. And you know better than that. You were raised knowing better than that. And there are still precious souls for whom Jesus died who need you. Don't be part of the problem. The Lord needs you to be part of the solution. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, who the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. A utopian dream? A lofty vision? A high ideal? Maybe so, but where would we be without biblical goals like these? All you need to do is remain silent, and we will find out soon enough. As always, friends, I look so forward to our next podcast where we will move further into the book of Acts as the Holy Spirit uses His Word to help us walk daily in the power of God. Have a blessed day in Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. For more information regarding Wagner Ministries International, go to wagnerministries.org. And if you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at wagnerministries.org. God bless.